Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. Getting back up to that first step. Uh, it's uh, not even collapsed too far, but uh, it's adequate to get back up. Right, here we copy. That's a pretty good little jump. Okay, Neil, we can see you coming down the ladder now. Okay, I just checked uh, getting back up to that first step. Uh, it's not uh, even collapsed too far, but uh, it's that. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Hello again, Hushlings. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our friend, Slick Frank Sanders. What's up, guys? Slick Frank Sanders here. Feeling good. Feeling good. Today's going to be a good one, guys. I am, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling nice about this one. I've been waiting a while for it. It's a big one. It's exciting. I've been interested in this topic since I was pretty young. I've got high hopes, ready to shoot to the moon. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Hushlings, if you tuned in last time, you'd know that we covered HARP. We got all into the construction and the founding of the program. We covered the possible outcomes of the program, such as weather control and weather modification, and natural disasters possibly being created by humans. This involves earthquakes, hurricanes, wildfires, things of that nature. We also discussed the potential for mind control through the HARP program that might be affecting the masses. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> They're shooting beams into your brains. That's why you got to put the tinfoil on. Got to stay protected. Don't be silly. Wrap your noggin. That's right. <laughs> for- <laughs> wrap, wrap it like a baked potato you're going to throw into the fire. <laughs> <laughs> for Debriefing 24, another long-awaited episode, the Apollo missions and the moon landing hoax. But before we take that giant leap, we just want to remind you to reach out to us on all social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And let's not forget the most official website that you can go to hushhushsociety.com that is our official website you can get the hush merch on there you can see all of our episodes we have a blog section where we put up uh some some things that we have gone over in shows some things that we have not little pieces of information uh it's your go-to source for conspiracy related things don't forget about our YouTube channel, where we have the Declassified Discussions and the Cryptid Chronicles episodes. They stream everywhere else. But we are revamping, as we said before, the Declassified Discussions episodes. We are going to be having some pretty cool guests on in the near future, and some new cryptids. So stay tuned for that. Hushlings, lastly, make sure you check out the website, hushhussociety.com, to see all of our newest drip, as well as things that we've had in the store for quite some time. You can get yourself a mug, some t-shirts, really the freshest conspiracy wear on the market. Go ahead and check it out. 
And speaking of tinfoil, I'm going to design an aluminum foil type face covering. So you can, <laughs> oh, yes. Not yes. breathable at all. You can block all the 5G waves from blasting into your sinuses to give you COVID. It keeps the microchip from getting transmitted. That's right. An immediate scrambler. Are we actually going to still look into those tinfoil snapbacks? Oh, I'm into it. Good. Yeah, let's get it. When you go to get the COVID jab, you can fake them out. Just tell them to jab it into your face. <laughs> That'll catch them off guard. They're going to be like, shit, we're not giving this guy anything. <laughs> this guy's too woke. He's too woke. <laughs> look at him. He's got that tinfoil face mask on. He knows what's Just up. fall to their knees. <laughs> you know how they make those origami kits that come with instructions or like the paper airplane books that come with the paper in it, the construction paper, and it shows you like the guides to... Yeah, so we can make a little one of those kits with like a couple pieces of tinfoil and show people how to make different sorts of tinfoil hats. Like the sailor type? Yeah, you know, dude. Make like a sailor type hat. Uh, cowboy hat. <laughs> Beanie. A beret. A beret. A big beret. Rasta like hat. golf cap. That droop down <laughs> real far down your back. And for the low, low price of forty nine ninety nine, recurring payment every two weeks. <laughs> every two weeks. <laughs> Hushlings, the moon landing conspiracy claims that some or all elements of the Apollo program and the associated moon landings were hoaxes staged by NASA with the aid of other organizations. The most notable claim is that six crewed landings between 1969 and 1972 were faked and that 12 Apollo astronauts did not actually walk on the moon at all. Various groups and individuals made claims since the mid-1970s that NASA and others knowingly fooled the public into believing the landings happened by manufacturing, tampering with, or destroying evidence including photos, telemetry tapes, radio, and TV transmissions, as well as moon rock samples. There was a guy that I found out. His name is Bill Casey. And in 1974, this is the guy that's kind of the core guy that started, I guess, the conspiracy that they didn't actually go to the moon and he has it on three sets which we're going to talk about it's anomalies and still photos radiation and the technology that they had in the late 1960s it took me a while to find a guy's name to see where like the root of this and i was actually really excited to see a name of somebody that started this conspiracy because i thought that this was just like a mass public thing yeah and he's not just some guy that's writing on a blog or sending in op-ed pieces to newspapers like he's been interviewed on news he's part of many different documentaries uh when it comes to the space hoax so he's a pretty prominent figure when it comes to this conspiracy contrary to what everybody thinks since obviously the late 2000s we've gotten better with high definition photos they've taken photos with the lunar reconnaissance orbiter that's out there of the Apollo landing sites and have captured the lunar module descent stages and the tracks that are left by the astronauts and I think the little buggy that they had too. So, mm. I mean, yeah, the go kart. Un yeah, unless they're faking <laughs> that too. Like, well, let's just Photoshop a couple little paw prints in the snow. You know, <laughs> <laughs> little cat paws. <laughs> And in 2012, images were released showing five of the six Apollo missions' American flags erected on the moon still standing. The exception is that of Apollo 11, which was laying on the lunar surface since being blown over by the Lunar Module Ascent Propulsion System. Let's talk about the moon. If you're not, if you're not too familiar <laughs> with the moon, I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Cheddar. Uh, I, 
Do you know where it is? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's up and to the left. Okay, <laughs> thanks. The moon is Earth's only proper natural satellite, and it is made of mozzarella cheese. <laughs> At <laughs> according to Wallace and Gromit, right? Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> The moon is Earth's only proper natural satellite. At one quarter the diameter of Earth, it is the largest natural satellite in the solar system, relative to the size of its planet, and the fifth largest satellite in the solar system overall. And uh, it's larger than any dwarf planet in our system. Our moon is orbiting Earth at an average lunar distance of about 238,900 miles. The moon's orbit around Earth has a sidereal period of 27.3 days and a synodic period of 29.5 days. The synodic period drives its lunar phases, which form the bases for the months of a lunar calendar. The moon is tidally locked to Earth. That's right, the moon helps us have waves. The moon actually, as it's rotating around us, pulls on the Earth and makes it not like a full sphere. You can do that, I guess, with dinner plates, too. You can kind of morph them a little bit as we, talk, <laughs> as we talked about in a couple episodes ago. But uh, that's why you see the different phases of the moon in the sky. So I, I, I hate to bring up more of the flat Earth shit, but if the sun is moving at a figure eight, does that also mean that the moon is moving in a figure eight opposite to it? It's like when you make those mobiles in like seventh grade and it spins on like a coat hanger or something. Yeah. So on one end of the coat hanger, you have the sun and on the other, you have the <laughs> So as Frank said, the moon is tightly locked and you can only see one side of it. It doesn't spin like the earth spins. So yeah, sus. Yeah, it's totally, it's totally sus. The near side of the moon is marked by dark volcanic, quote, seas, which fill the spaces between the bright ancient crustal highlands and impact craters, which are everywhere. The lunar surface is relatively non-reflective, with a reflectance just slightly brighter than asphalt. But because it reflects direct sunlight, it is contrasted by the relatively dark sky and has a large apparent size. When viewed from Earth, the moon is the brightest celestial object in Earth's sky after the sun. The moon's apparent size is nearly the same as that of the sun, allowing it to cover the sun almost completely during a total solar eclipse. The dark and relatively featureless lunar plains, clearly seen with the naked eye, are vast solidified pools of ancient basaltic lava. Similar to terrestrial basalts, lunar basalts have more iron and no minerals altered by water. You know how you said the same thing about the eclipses? That's pretty crazy. The distance that we live in right now within the last probably couple thousand, thousands of years, maybe, maybe probably hundreds of thousands, maybe even a million years, we're the only system that we know of where we have solar and solar eclipses, like total solar eclipses. It's perfect, the distance hmm. and the sizing. That's really sus. Hmm. It's almost like it was created for us. That kind of brings up a thought and... It's something that I've rolled around in my brain a few times, and it's not really explainable. And if you're a religious person or into, into creationism, then yeah, it's one of those things that kind of goes on your side of things. But when it comes to Earth's placement from the sun and from the moon and the way that the moon lines up with the sun and, you know, all the, all the stuff that that encompasses, it is almost too good to be true. It's almost perfect. And... The way, if we were farther away from the sun than we are, then we would be too cold. If we were too close, we would, you know, we're like in that perfect zone. 
yeah, I could see the ideals there that people have about creationism when it comes to our planet being in this kind of perfect sphere. I know what you're getting at, but if you look at it from a different note, and this isn't to bash creationism whatsoever, this doesn't go against that belief system, but that could just be because we're looking at it kind of subjectively to us. So yes, it's perfect for us, but say some other intelligent life form exists billions of light years away, the distance of their sun and the distance of their moon and the structural makeup of their planet would be perfect for them. I think it's just subjective. We, we kind of evolved due to these circumstances, you know, as another intelligent life form would to their own, making that scenario perfect for their personal existence. Yeah, so maybe it's a maybe it's a perspective thing. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. In the way that we know life as we know it. It's pretty perfect. The only way for life to happen as we know it is searching for water in microbial life, even on Mars. Probably one reason why they supposedly went to the moon. I guess it, we're, we're just looking for what we're used to. So what Frank is saying, yeah, perspective. So if you're the gray aliens, you're biology might be completely different so your goldilocks zone is completely different of where your planet sits yeah. didn't think about it that that way nice point huh let's get into the missions that went to the moon or did not go to the moon if you haven't heard they're called the apollo missions or the apollo program it was the third united states human spaceflight program carried out by nasa which succeeded in landing the first humans on the moon from 1969 to 1972 it was first conceived during Dwight D. Eisenhower's administration as a three-person spacecraft to follow the one-person Project Mercury, which put the first Americans in space. Apollo was later dedicated to President John F. Kennedy's national goal for the 1960s of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to Earth, as a quote, in an address to Congress on May 25th in 1961. These are some of the talking points that we had during our JFK episodes, so uh, you may be familiar with some of the things that JFK was about when it came to the space race. But Kennedy's goal was accomplished on the Apollo 11 mission when astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed their Apollo lunar module on July 20th, 1969, and walked on the lunar surface, while Michael Collins remained in lunar orbit in the command and service module, and all three landed safely on Earth on July 24th. This gives us the famous quote, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Five subsequent Apollo missions also landed astronauts on the moon, the last being Apollo 17 in December of 1972. In these six space flights, 12 people walked on our lunar surface, using Little Joe 2, Saturn 1, Saturn 1B, and Saturn 5 launch vehicles. Well, you know it's not a Hush Hush Society episode if we don't talk about the Germans. <laughs> How could we forget about the Nazis? We didn't. Hitler and the Nazis obviously had a deep program with rocketry and the V-2 rockets. Could they have reached the lunar surface in the latter stages of World War II or before? Hmm. There is that documentary that you can watch. I think we've mentioned it before is uh, Above Majestic, where yes. they talk about German U-boats going to other galaxies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where they turn the German U-boats into interstellar ships. <laughs> 
Nazi rocket technology is known to have been significantly advanced during World War II, with the V-1 and V-2 weapons raining terror onto Britain. They are also known to have researched saucer technology, but none of their prototypes are ever believed to have flown. Isn't there a UFO encounter in, was it Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, I believe? Didn't it have, like, swastika symbols on it or something? Yep. Speaking of Kecksburg, you have the Kecksburg UFO incident, which occurred December 9th of 1965 at Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. There was a fireball that was reported by citizens of six U.S. states in Canada over Detroit, Michigan, and Windsor, Canada. There is the Diglock, otherwise known as the Bell, was a purported top-secret Nazi scientific technological device. There's pictures of it. You, I mean, what happened in Kecksburg, what they supposedly found or saw, people saw, it almost looks identical to what the Germans were making. It's pretty crazy that it happened also 20 years after World War II ended, too. Was that Kecksburg incident the one that crashed in the woods, or was it just yeah. a sighting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one was interesting. National Guard or the military or yeah. something came out to Kecksburg, and they, they extracted that craft out of the woods and marked off the whole area weird shit. There's a conspiracy theorist named Dr. Trzyski that claims Nazi spacecraft arrived on the moon. He has a specific date too. August 23rd, 1942. And they landed in the lunar plane known as Mare Imbrium. That's specific. That's super specific. With the date and where they landed and it's, yeah. What does Trzyski know that we don't? And what we know of the technology that Nazis and the Germans had following World War II, as we've talked about previously in a bunch of different episodes, post-World War II, we took a bunch of German scientists. And those German scientists eventually became NASA. So let's say that he's actually correct about the date and saying all these things. All right. So let's assume that this guy was telling the truth about what he was claiming that the Germans made it to the moon. Is it really that far-fetched to think that the same people that went on to create NASA and got us to the moon didn't use that technology prior to maybe get the Germans to the moon or advance the German aircraft to be able to get above the atmosphere? Well, we all know that Hitler was definitely fascinated with anything that was technological, especially like space program. The V-2 rocket is essentially a revamped version of like what they make the Saturn Vs off of, except they're just way bigger, created by the same guy. If anybody is listening to this, I'm going to go check it out later. But if you have Google Earth, they have Googled the moon setting. Go search this Mare Imbrium. And let's see if you can see anything or if see anything that's like an anomaly that might have been edited. It should be something interesting to look at. Imagine we get an email later this week and it's just photos. Yeah. Hey, look at this. (laughs) There's a bunch of footprints and landing imprints. That'd be pretty wild. Hell yeah. That'd That'd be something. And who knows? Maybe that is part of the reason as to why the U.S. was so interested in taking German scientists post-World War II. Yeah, because they knew they had the capability. That's a good point. And turning into NASA. If we had acquired these scientists, why wouldn't we use them for military advances? Why wouldn't we create more powerful rockets or bombs or whatever the hell that we're good at making? Why all of a sudden would we say, yeah, let's start a space program that is prominently run by ex-Nazi scientists? 
we definitely took all their weapon technology afterwards. Look at the advancement in weapons from World War II and with America just to Vietnam. But that's what I'm saying. Look at Warner Von Braun. Why would we take him and apply him to a space program? Why wouldn't we take him and apply him to creating more jets or more militaristic vehicles or ships or craft? Because he, he was a rocket scientist. He was a rocket scientist that created jet propulsion systems. I mean, maybe they did and it's just not public knowledge. I would imagine that because the Germans had rocket-style aircraft that are very much like modern fighter jets, I'm sure that's why you have modern technology in the 60s coming right off of that. I'm not the best with military aviation history, but whatever jets they were using during Vietnam, I'm sure was a direct result from taking those Nazi scientists and on top of it with the space program. Just to add my two cents to this Nazis landing on the moon in 1942, I just think it's kind of weird. I'm not shooting it down because I definitely think that it was possible. I just think that the timing is weird because August of 1942, you're damn near the height of World War II. Yeah. Why would they be focused on getting to an astral body off of Earth at the height of the war? Because that's how you win. Yeah, exactly. Unless it was of a militaristic advantage, some That's sort of strategy. That's all it was. It must have been. To put lasers on the freaking moon. Well, yeah, you keep an outpost on the moon. If it all goes to shit like it did in World War II for the Nazis, then yeah, then you have an outpost on the moon. And you're literally more powerful. Anakin, I have the high ground. Yeah, yeah, they have the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> According to Dr. Terzisky, the first man on the moon was not Neil Armstrong, but in fact, a Nazi officer named Werner Thiesenberg. See, even more specifics. Specific date, specific name, specific place on the moon. Unless this guy was just like... Bullshit. Just wanted, yeah, he's a total <laughs> bullshit artist. But imagine, okay, so again, let's let's go with the hypotheticals that this guy was correct. And America knew that Germany had placed a man on the moon or had landed on the moon before anybody else. I'm talking 20 plus years before anybody else. Do you think that America would let any of that information come to light? They would bury the fuck out of that, especially after acquiring those scientists after World War II. The Nazis are Germany's biggest fucking shame. Do you think America would admit? I mean, we know we took a lot of them. You think that it'd be so easy for them to be like, yeah, we we knew what they were doing. It's just the steamroller of the military industrial complex. Motivation for the United States to engage the Soviet Union in a space race can be traced to the then ongoing Cold War. Landing on the moon was viewed as a national and technological accomplishment that would generate worldwide acclaim. Hoax theory debunker Phil Plate says in his 2002 book, Bad Astronomy, that the Soviets, with their own competing moon program, an extensive intelligence network, and a formidable scientific community able to analyze NASA data, would have, quote, cried foul if the United States tried to fake a moon landing, especially since their own program had failed. Proving a hoax would have been a huge propaganda win for the Soviets. Instead, far from calling the landings a hoax, the third edition of the Great Soviet Encyclopedia contained many articles reporting the landings as factual, such as this article on Neil Armstrong. Their article on space exploration describes the Apollo 11 landing as the third historic event of the space age following the launch of Sputnik. 
1957 and Yuri Gagarin's flight in 1961. Conspiracy theorist Bart Sebrel responded incorrectly, asserting that, quote, the Soviets did not have the capability to track deep spacecraft until late 1972, immediately after which the last three Apollo missions were abruptly canceled, end quote. In fact, it's claimed the Soviets have been sending uncrewed spacecraft to the moon since 1959, and during 1962, deep space tracking facilities were introduced having a 62 million mile range. Now, is it possible that there are Chinese bases on the unexplored far side of the moon? Uh, I think it's plausible. I don't know about Chinese, but I think it's plausible that some country, and it has to be a superpower, obviously, some country has some sort of lunar building there. Are you implying that Argentina doesn't have the capability to have a moon base on the far side of the moon? Probably not. They might, you know. You they might. Know. They're the only ones. Venezuela, <laughs> even. All right. If you look at just the space station, we sent up modules to the space station within months of each other. We just kept sending them up and building them and sending them up and building them. And... Other than people that were really interested in the space station and its construction, as far as regular citizens go, who really paid attention to what was going up into space? My point of this is, we'll take China because that's the example. If China was sending rockets up into space and sending parts and components to building some sort of module or some sort of building and sending those things to the moon to be built, who would know? The only people that would know are amateur astronomers that are following it. You can obviously see rocket launches. But here's the thing. You would have to constantly keep an eye on the, on the sky. Well, yeah. You're, you're not going to know the dates, especially if they're doing it in secret. You're not going to know the dates of when China goes and launches a rocket to be sent to the moon. No. There's also the window of that movement. If you're in China, you shoot that rocket up, it takes five or six minutes or whatever it takes to get into the upper atmosphere and out into space. The rocket is gone at that point, and now you no longer have this bright light in the sky to follow. No, you just have a tiny little pinpoint light, but you have to know where it is. And you'd have to know where it is, exactly. So you would have to know exactly where they were launching and when they were launching to be able to know that they were sending a rocket up. And knowing what's in that rocket. And knowing what's in that rocket, exactly. Yeah. Because they could always turn around and say, oh, we're just putting up another satellite for your cell phones. And who's going to say, oh, no, that's not what you're doing. Like, you know, nobody's going to question that. It's really not that far-fetched to believe that one of these superpowers easily could have sent up components just the same as they were sending up components for the space station and sent them to the moon instead and set up some sort of... Who knows? It could even be like the space station where multiple countries came together and worked together to build some sort of structure on the moon. Well, we have a space force now, so... Thank God. I know that seems kind of like a joke. But it's something we need. Air Force can't do it by themselves. What's been done with it, though? Patches? They put patches on people? Like I said, it sounds like a joke. You can't hyper-focus on one thing. You can't just say, we created a space force. What the hell's the purpose of that? You have to look at all the things that surround that. So we created a space force. Then you start to see disclosure from the Pentagon about UFOs. Then you see the statements that come out about us being part of some sort of galactic federation. Up until recently, even, them talking about how we would become citizens of this galactic federation. If you piece all these things together, a Space Force kind of makes more sense. It does. 
Yeah, I guess. We'll talk about that more because I think season four, we have the secret space program. We'll really, really get into that. A little bit of evidence and video. In some photos, the crosshairs appear to be behind objects. The cameras were fitted with a clear glass plate with a reticle on it, making it impossible for any photographed object to appear in front of that gridded reticle. The conspiracy theorists often use this evidence to suggest that objects were pasted over the photographs and hence obscure the reticle. This effect only appears in copied and scanned photos, not any originals. It is caused by overexposure, which is the bright white areas of the emulsion bleeding over the thin black crosshairs. They also claim that the quality of the photographs is implausibly high for the 60s. Actually, there are many poor quality photos taken by the Apollo astronauts. NASA chose to publish only the best examples, and the Apollo astronauts use high-resolution Hasselblad 500EL cameras with Carl Zeiss optics and a 70mm medium-format film magazine. My brother is going to hate me for butchering that. Isn't that what the uh, iPhone 26 has now? I think so. <laughs> yeah, 70 millimeter. <laughs> no, nothing else about the cell phone has changed. Just a new uh, 70 millimeter lens has been attached to it. Dude, those Why? cameras are nice. Why wouldn't NASA, that's like taking family photos and being like, let's take the one where everybody's eyes are fucking closed. <laughs> That's why Only we take 25 pictures. Best. Yeah, we'll take 20 of those where my kid looks like his eyes are possessed, rolled back in his head. They also claim there are no stars in any of the photos. The Apollo 11 astronauts also stated in post-mission press conferences that they did not remember seeing any stars during EVA. That's explained. The astronauts were talking about naked eye sightings of stars during the lunar daytime. They regularly sighted stars through the spacecraft navigation optics while aligning their inertial reference platforms, the Apollo primary guidance, navigation, and control system. Stars are rarely seen in space shuttle MIR. Earth observation photos or even photos taken at sporting events held at night. The light from the sun in outer space in the Earth-Moon system is at least as bright as the sunlight that reaches the Earth's surface on a clear day at noon. So cameras used for imaging subjects illuminated by sunlight are set for a daylight exposure. Just really quickly, not to stray too far off the path, have either of you guys watched the Q&A interview of the Apollo 11 crew post-landing? Yes. It's kind of bizarre, just in my opinion. They're all just being like super awkward. I don't know if mm -hmm. it's because they just landed back on the planet, but like, for example, whoever would be asking a question, he'd ask a question and they would all kind of look at each other awkwardly before anybody answered. Like a group of kids in the principal's office that just yeah. got caught doing something that they weren't mm. supposed to do. Which one of you is going to rat? Yeah, exactly. Like, they don't know what to say and they want somebody else to talk first so that nobody crosses over each other or says something that's like the opposite of the guy who answered before them. It's it's just a very, very strange interview and I suggest watching it. Like you said, there is, there is the point in, I think it's not that interview, but I think it might have been Buzz Aldrin that's done a bunch of interviews where they have the radio transmissions where they're, they're actually claiming that somebody's watching them from another side of a crater. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So that could be, mm -hmm. I mean, think about how awkward you'd feel if you made contact with another human being that you didn't know was there or something completely different. That could be another reason for it. Yeah, moon spiders. Moon spiders. Yes, yes. Hushlings, we will return after these brief messages. 
my fellow citizens, our earth is in the middle of a crisis, plunging deeper into chaos. No, I feel your pain and your loss. We can't stand idly by and let this happen. We must rise up and... (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. Damn it. Well, this is awkward. Hi, my name is Josh Shell, and I am the host of the Let's Start a Cult podcast, where each episode, myself and some guests take a look at different cults from around the world, for educational purposes only, and definitely not to start our own cult. Join me every other week as we break down dangerous religious cults, political extremist groups, and every other kind of cult in between. Should I apologize for the terrible southern accent? No? Okay. Subscribe and listen to Let's Start a Cult anywhere you listen to podcasts. Greetings, Hushlings. I'm Declassified Dave. I'm Slick Frank Sanders. And I'm Mystery Mike. Your preceptors are back on the case and opening the files to explore the tragic death of the Princess of Wales, Diana. We seek what truly happened that night in 1997 in the Pont de Lomo tunnel in Paris, France. Could it have really been an accident caused by relentless paparazzi, an intoxicated limo driver? Could MI6 have been involved? Or could it have been something far sinister? Blood. Join the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, Monday, June 14th, for debriefing 25, Princess Diana. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. There's also the question of the angle and color of shadows. They are inconsistent, and this suggests that artificial lights were used. Probably wrong. Shadows on the moon are complicated by reflected light, uneven ground, wide-angle lens distortion, and lunar dust. There are several light sources. The sun, the sunlight reflected from Earth, sunlight reflected from the moon's surface, and the sunlight reflected from the astronauts and the lunar module itself. Light from these sources is scattered by lunar dust in many directions, including into shadows. Now, I saw an I saw an example of this the other day when I was watching. When you watch shadows in like a parking lot and say that there's pedestrian pylons that are in that parking lot, you can see the shadows sit at different angles, but the sun is stationary in the same spot. It's just perspective and the angle hmm. that you're looking at the light. So it kind of just debunks that whole thing. Well, there's five different light sources. No, there's one. It's just you're seeing it from a different angle. While the shadows falling into craters and hills may appear longer, shorter, and distorted, and shadows display the properties of vanishing point perspective, leading them to converge to a point on the horizon. This theory was further debunked on the Mythbusters episode, NASA Moon Landing. There are identical backgrounds and photos which, according to their captions, were taken miles apart. This suggests that a painted background was used. But if you take a better look, backgrounds were not side-by-side identical, they were just very similar. If you look at some of the side-by-side shots, it's interesting. Things aren't going to be exact. No, and they're, they're going to be really close. If you were in a nine square mile field and took a picture every two square miles, yeah, it's going to look pretty similar. You're in the same field. Whatever the background is, is going to be whatever the background is. But that doesn't mean that it's exactly not real. This one's my favorite one that I read is that there's a resident of Perth, Australia, said that for two or three seconds, she saw a Coca-Cola bottle roll across the lower right quadrant of her television screen that was displaying the live broadcast of the Apollo 11 EVA. 
She also said that several letters appeared in the West Australian, must have been like a newspaper or something, discussing the Coca-Cola bottle incident within 10 days of the lunar landing, followed by the Starbucks cup in Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, come to find out, no such newspaper reports or recordings have been found. Of course not, because NASA wants to cover that up. Nah, that lady was smoking crack. <laughs> there was another lady that claimed, I think, that lived in Florida that said that she knew the moon landing was fake because she said, how can I see something live stream from the moon when I can't even watch stuff from New York? <laughs> That's like some Eddie Bravo big brain energy. <laughs> another point is the Apollo 16 crew could not have survived a big solar flare firing out when they were on their way to the moon. Well, sorry, but no large solar flare occurred during the flight of Apollo 16. So they say. And lastly, footprints in the moon dust are unexpectedly well-preserved, despite the lack of moisture. Now, to rebuttal this, moon dust has not been weathered like Earth's sand and has sharp edges. This allows the dust particles to stick together and hold their shape in the vacuum of space. That's bullshit. That's some horse shit. Well, I'm glad that the footprints were brought up. So I will tell you right now, there's a couple things about the moon landings that may not make sense to me. And I, I don't know if it necessarily points to a conspiracy of us never landing on the moon or whatever it may be. They have pictures of the footprints that Neil Armstrong left on the moon and there are ridges in the boots. Yep. Now, they go and they show you a picture of his spacesuit that he wore to walk on the moon and the boots that are on that spacesuit are flat and smooth almost like slippers <laughs> maybe he wanted to keep them for himself dude like it's like somebody in a sports jersey like the, i gotta first keep of all they're not gonna let him keep them no no well, way maybe he did i don't know that's sloppy if that's the case like that's that's sloppy it is possible maybe he said hey this is a boot that touched the moon i was wearing them since i was the first man to step onto the moon and of course nasa turned around and they're like yeah you deserve that boot he probably wears them around maybe. well wore them around his house at some point walmart <laughs> Yeah, he went, he went out grocery shopping wearing them. There's a couple other things. Uh, one of the major things that I think is not talked about enough, and I think it's one of those pieces of information that really deserves more of an explanation than it's ever given. And it's said by many scientists at NASA and many personnel at NASA that we haven't been back to the moon because we lost the technology that it took <laughs> to get there. What? Where'd it go? What so this mean? is this is this is the claim is that the reason that we haven't returned to the moon is because the technology that we used back in 1969 no longer exists and we can't recreate it. Okay. All the Nazi scientists died off and they can't make it back now. I'm perplexed by that. If that's a real answer, you can look it up. There's plenty of NASA personnel that say the same exact thing. If this is a real reason or a real explanation as to what they're saying that we never return to the moon, I call bullshit. Because if you've ever seen a SpaceX rocket... They land themselves. They take off and land on a moving aircraft carrier. Yep. Um, we don't have the technology to blast off to the fucking moon and land and leave that it doesn't make sense yeah it doesn't make sense and i don't know if those scientists and that personnel are 
just misinformed or mm. if that's just the first thing that popped into their head as to the reason why we didn't go. Like I said, just certain things that are a little odd. Well, since Mike mentioned the technology being lost, it, it's contradictory in my head because computer systems and technology is insane now. You almost can't even keep up with it on a daily basis. But the digital technology on Earth during the time of the moon landings was in its infancy, and the astronauts relied on computers to aid the moon missions. But the Apollo guidance computer that was on the lunar module command and service module, I mean, these things were huge. Like, have you mm. seen, like, my dad worked for IBM and Aetna in the data centers, and computers are still big, rack systems. Actual computer was the size of a fucking room in the 60s. For like 512 megs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did, how did we lose that? I don't know. It, it's strange to me. Many computers at the time were very large despite poor specs. For example, in 1973, one year after the final moon landing, the Xerox Alto was released. This computer had 96 kilobytes of memory. Most personal computers as of 2019 use anywhere from 50,000 to 100,000 times this amount of RAM. <laughs> Well, conspiracy theorists claim that the computers during the time of the moon landings would not have been advanced enough to allow for human space travel to the moon and back. They similarly claim that other contemporary technology, such as radio transmission, radar, and other instrumentation, was likewise insufficient for the task. This goes hand in hand with my biggest gripe for the moon landing hoax. The fact that we didn't have the technology to begin with. That makes the most sense in my head. Like you said, why haven't we been back? That's not really my thought process. My thought process is why hasn't any other superpower publicly gone to the moon? And people will tell you, well, that's just because we already went and there's nothing there. Well, why wouldn't another superpower want to go there and build a structure, build a base, for example, or do their own sort of scientific research? That just doesn't make sense. I completely disagree that there's nothing there. Whether it is just a ball of nothing, that's not nothing. For us to become a different type civilization, we have to leave the rock and put our feet on another one. So that's the next yeah. step. And the moon is the closest thing, and it ain't going anywhere anytime soon. So that's a, that's a forward operating base. You bring up a good point as a forward operating base. I very much enjoy science fiction. And in a lot of science fiction movies, especially when they're revolving around space, there is always some sort of base that is set up on the moon. The reason is sound. Just because it's a fictional movie doesn't mean that the reasoning isn't sound. It very well could carry on into real world application. Why wouldn't we set up some sort of base on the moon or you know like you said forward operating base on the moon where we could monitor asteroids uh that. space junk mm -hmm. uh, you know literally anything of that type and set up these laser guided missiles or these propulsion type of technology to push asteroids away from hitting the earth well you think that's public enemy number one is shit from space we just talked about that we talked yeah. about that before this episode, how there is the imminent danger of things coming from space to hit the Earth. At the very least, why wouldn't you set up some sort of observatory there to make sure that we're not going to get blindsided by some stadium-sized asteroid? 
We're more focused on going to Mars than we are the moon, and the moon is 238,000 miles away. Mars takes six months with conventional rockets to get there at the right point. Yeah. Why wouldn't we test run the moon? Why wouldn't yeah. we test run the moon? Not only test run the moon, but I feel like set up the moon as... Yeah. A primary Colony. launch pad. It, it takes much less energy and fuel to get off the surface of the moon than it does to get off the surface of Earth. Why mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you mm -hmm. start there instead of go straight to Mars from Earth? There's just so many reasons why, on top of the fact, the number one reason why you'd want to go to the moon or have anything in space is to militarize it for any country. That's probably their yeah. number one. When you're talking about human beings, is to continue the species. Why not go there and do research other than just military stuff? Instead of growing plants in, in these little bubbles out in the desert here in Nevada and California, why not do it on the do moon? It, do it on the moon. Yeah. You know what? That's going to be our next piece of hush merch. I'm going to make a t-shirt that says, do it on the moon. <laughs> Hydroponics on the moon, man. Come on. Do it on the moon put like a, a little old ford f-150 like on the surface of the moon next to one of those bubble greenhouses with like two people laying in the back of the pickup truck looking at Earth. there you go yeah do it yep. on the moon so romantic there's a couple other conspiracies that are related to our friends at nasa going to the moon one of the big ones for me that has always kind of been one of my biggest questions besides the technology is the van allen radiation belt zone it's an energetic zone of charged particles that come from the sun and cosmic rays and all things that are shitty in space. Most of which originate from solar winds. They are captured and held around the planet in its magnetic field. If you don't know what the Aurora Borealis is and how it sunk the Titanic, you can kind of see it visually there, I would imagine. Earth has two such belts. Sometimes others are temporarily created. The belts were named after James Van Allen, who is credited for the discovery of the two main belts. And they extend to the altitude from only 400 miles up to about 36,000 miles above the surface of the Earth, in which this region, radiation levels vary. And most of the particles that form the belts are thought to come from solar wind and other particles by cosmic rays. And by trapping the solar wind, the magnetic field deflects those energetic particles and protects the atmosphere from destruction. So the belts are in the inner region of the Earth's magnetosphere. The belts trap energetic electrons and protons, and the belts endanger satellites, which must have their sensitive components protected with adequate shielding if they spend significant time near that zone. Yeah, adequate shielding is gold tinfoil. <laughs> In 2013, NASA reported that the Van Allen probes had discovered a transient third radiation belt, which was observed for four weeks until it was destroyed by a powerful interplanetary shockwave from the sun. There is a portion where the Van Allen radiation belt gets very close to the surface of the Earth and is located east of Brazil called the Southern Atlantic Anomaly and is avoided by all space programs at all costs. Its main claim is that the astronauts could not have survived the trip because of exposure due to the radiation from the Van Allen belt and galactic ambient radiation. Dude, that Southern Atlantic anomaly is crazy. I watched a bunch of interviews of astronauts that are like, nope, nope, we just avoid it. This does bring up more questions. It almost seems if you look at the trip to the moon, all these different things are stacking up against this voyage to the moon. Realistically, there are so many things that they had to take into account to make this trip, and the radiation belt is a huge one. So how did they protect themselves from that radiation? Like Dave said, gold tinfoil. Gold tinfoil, man. 
it's just weird. It doesn't vibe with me that these guys were able to go through this radiation belt and through space radiation and solar waves and all these other things and still come out on top. And ah, it just seems like such an impossible mission. That's the thing that gets me too, is that astronauts since what, 1972 that we know of have not left low earth orbit. I don't know where the International Space Station sits, but it's got to be within a couple hundred miles. Not that much. And maybe even less. Why haven't we gone past low Earth orbit? This is the argument. Why? And this has always been the one point about the moon landings. Why the fuck would they lie about that? But also 9-11. So, you know, (laughs) plenty of conspiratorial bullshit. what about 9-11? I'm just just making a point. But why would they lie about the moon landing, but also, you know, bullshitted about Lots of other things. Because of the space race. You have to think about the space race. That's a huge variable is the the height of the Cold War and our tensions with Russia. Exactly. So if you look at it, Russia already had launched Sputnik. They Mm -hmm. already had the first man in space. The United States, simply just for morale, let's cut all the rest of the bullshit. They, they, (laughs) They did it to say that they did it. It's not like they were like, oh, we're going to go to the moon. We're going to collect these specimens. We're going to really study the moon. No, they went there. They fucking got out. They took a couple steps and they got back in and went back home. It seems like it really came out of nowhere. Like the United States had no rhyme or reason to going to the moon except to show up Russia. Yeah. I look at motive. So if you look at the motive of why would NASA and why would the United States plan a hoax space mission to the moon? There's a thousand answers as to why they would do that. Yeah, that are viable. They're all viable. You can't single one out and go, oh, well, that doesn't make sense. They make sense. It makes a lot of sense. The only thing I can say, like, with the Van Allen belts is how many people know about the Van Allen belts unless you tell them about it. People know maybe the magnetic field and the Aurora Borealis, and that's kind of how that process works. But who this, nobody, people don't know that the atmosphere has got like 10 layers and they're all called something yeah. different. People don't know about the Van Allen radiation belts, but astronauts do. There's anomalies around the planet that they avoid. Why? That's the big reason. And the biggest point to take out of it is why since 1972 have we not left low Earth orbit? And that's got to be the number one cause of it. Let's take a look at one of, I think, one of the most interesting parts of this whole conspiracy. And that is the involvement of famed director Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick is accused of having produced much of the footage for Apollo 11 and 12, presumably because he had just directed 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is partly set on the moon and featured advanced special effects. It is claimed that when 2001 was in post-production in early 1968, NASA secretly approached Kubrick to direct the first three moon landings. The launch and splashdown would be real, but the spacecraft would stay in Earth orbit and fake footage broadcast as, quote, live from the moon. That lady in Florida is like, I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) No evidence was offered for this theory, which overlooks many facts. 2001 was released before the first Apollo landing, and Kubrick's depiction of the moon's surface differs greatly from its appearance in the Apollo footage. The movement of characters on the moon in 2001 differs from that of the filmed movement of Apollo astronauts, and does not resemble an environment with one-sixth the gravity of Earth's. There's several scenes in 2001 
that showed dust billowing as spacecraft landed, something that would not happen in the vacuum environment of the moon. Kubrick did hire Frederick Ordway and Harry Lang, both of whom who had worked for NASA and major aerospace contractors to work with him on 2001. Kubrick also used some 50mm lenses that were left over from a batch made by Zeiss for NASA. There's also one other thing, and people say it's Kubrick trying to tell people in, in such a subtle way that he did this, that he directed the moon landings, but if you watch The Shining, uh, little Danny is wearing an Apollo 11 sweater in a couple of the scenes of the movie, so that's a little, a little nod towards this conspiracy theory. A real-life Easter egg. There's some other things. Uh, the the number of the room that's famed in the movie is supposed to be the distance from the Earth to the moon and all this other stuff. So I wonder if Kubrick was trying to tell people that he did this or if he was just kind of joking about it and said it's kind of ridiculous, but let's, you know, have a laugh. Artist comedy, man. Throwing stuff in there. It's another one of those things that's like, who knows, man? It's the 60s. Now we can totally recreate that easily and fake the hell out of people. But then... It's pretty uneducated for people to be like, oh, well, he hired people from NASA. Well, he was doing a space movie. What do you think Hollywood does now? Hire experts to show them exactly what they're doing. It's the reason why certain movies with guys that are like militarized look exactly the part is because they've done the research or hired people to do that. I don't like the argument that he showed billowing dust coming off the moon and the moon looked different. I don't like those arguments mostly because take into account that he was making a film. It doesn't translate well to film to show a ship landing on the moon with nothing happening around it. Yeah, it's boring. It's more dramatic effect. It's more for dramatics, exactly. It's made for the movie. And I've seen 2001, and yeah, the moon looks different, but at the same time, again, made for a movie. They couldn't just film this thing on just like white grayish background. They had to add something to it to add to the effect, to add to the overall ambiance of the movie. Exactly. You can't have it be like the actual live footage from the real quote-unquote real landing they couldn't have that be wicked similar to 2001 because it'd be underwhelming i feel like they'd be like wow that movie really nailed it on the head huh boys it wasn't a recreation it was a science fiction movie apollo 13 was a recreation there's a reason why that one looked more realistic is because it was supposed to depict the actual event 2001 a space odyssey was a sci-fi movie blueprints and design and development drawings of the machines involved are missing how sus. Apollo 11 data tapes containing telemetry and the high quality video before scan conversion from slow scan to TV to standard TV of the first moonwalk are also missing. There's also the case of the tapes. Where are we talking telemetry tapes? I would imagine. Dr. David R. Williams, NASA archivist at Goddard Space Flight Center and Apollo flight director Eugene F. Kranz both acknowledged that the original high-quality Apollo 11 telemetry tapes are missing. Conspiracy theorists see this as evidence that they never existed. The Apollo 11 telemetry tapes were different from the telemetry tapes of the other moon landings because they contained the raw television broadcast. For technical reasons, the Apollo 11 lander carried a slow-scan TV camera to broadcast the pictures to regular television. A scan conversion had to be done. Slow scan television conversion has got to be before our time. Yeah, I've, I've never even heard of that. 
the woman in Florida does bring up a good point, and it is one of those <laughs> arguments that is made, is that there was no delay between what was being shown on the moon and what was being shown on television with the president talking to the astronauts and all this other stuff. There was no delay. Unless it was pre-recorded. It's very possible, but they also said live. Whoever the president was at the time, were they in the Oval Office talking to these astronauts? I mean, that's easy to that's easy to fake, especially just put live breaking on the TV and people just snap their three channels in 1969. It's definitely doable. If it is one of those things that they were saying, oh, this happened live on television, of course, anybody who questions this mission or anybody who questions the moon landings in general are going to grasp onto that. The losing of all the tapes and the telemetry data, that's very suspect, as, as Francis says. How do you lose that? Mostly because I look at this. There's the great story of the women that did the math for the telemetry for the rockets to make this mission. Oh, yeah, yeah. The team of women that came up with the math and they did the math for the telemetry of the rockets to land and take off and, and pretty much the whole mission. What they said they wrote, they wrote it. It was, it was like four and a half feet tall book of like just all this stuff. It's crazy. Up until last year, at least one of these women was still alive. She was a major component of this team and she was pretty much doing like all these mathematical equations without a computer. They were doing these like long-handed. So why couldn't you go to this woman and say, hey, we lost all this data. Can you give us a clue on how you did it? That right there doesn't sit well. You're telling yeah. me that the most important date, the most important mission of NASA's inception. Human history, really. <laughs> in in human mean. history, yeah. Re realistically, of space travel, of anything, like the biggest component of it, you just lost and it's just gone. And they're making no efforts to, to bring it back about again? You seem completely unfazed about it. Oh, all yeah, right. we just lost the data. We can't go back to the moon because we don't know how to do it. Eh, can't win them all. Really? <laughs> can't win them all. <laughs> A team of women just sat around and just long-handed all this math to figure out how we could do this. And you're telling me that with modern computers and scientists and teams upon teams of fucking people working on this that they couldn't figure out how to get back to the moon? No. It just, it, it doesn't fucking make sense. Well, that's the biggest piece of bullshit you've ever heard. Unless it's space spiders. Let's just ask the question, did they find alien life? Apollo 18. It's entirely possible. Or they went to the moon and they saw some crazy shit that they couldn't understand and they're like, we're never coming back. They saw Megatron. <laughs> I think there was a couple other astronauts that said that there was somebody watching them. And there, there's radio transmission of it, whether it's faked or not. But who knows? They could have had space insanity or something. <laughs> a funky looking rock. The moon, it's tidally locked, but that also means the moon doesn't spin. So we never see the far side of the moon. Yeah. We always see the near so side the of knows? it. So who the hell knows? How many bases could be on the other side? I mean, the only thing that you would know to, to prove that is satellite technology around the moon. And there's so many claims that there's like anomalies and weird structures on the moon, like spires, things that are huge. If you're ever interested in seeing some of this weird stuff, Google Earth, honestly, is the best platform for it because of the moon setting. And you can... You can dive pretty deep, but there's a lot of things just like Google Earth where it's manipulated and changed and before it's published. So composites. Frank, let's get into our final thoughts. Frank's final thought. This is a tough one for me because I desperately want to believe 
that we landed on the moon. I've been wicked fascinated with anything space-related since I could remember. And for us to have not landed on the moon kind of soils all of that for me. But when you really look at the facts, like we've said time and time again throughout this episode, the odds weren't in their favor for making this mission happen. You've got the radiation belts... You've got all of the missing data. There's just so much. There's so much. You've got the motives of the space race and trying to beat our foreign oppositions there just for the purpose of national pride and morale. It's really tough. It's really tough. Not to mention it's extremely disrespectful in the sense that if we did go there for us to be like, oh, no, they absolutely didn't because, you know, a lot of people must have worked very, very hard to get us there. But no, I <laughs> I, I really don't think we went to the moon. I really don't. I want to go as far as saying that we didn't have the technology. I think that's the most prominent point for the case as to why we haven't been back. Also as to why no other worldly superpowers have gone, even for their first time. The whole situation is wicked suspect. I'm going to say no moon landing, no big cheese rock for the United States. David? I'm on the fence with it. Like Frank said, I, I want to believe that we went there. I think a big reason why we have such skepticism and I'm and this is obviously this has been going on since pretty much this event happened that people have claimed bullshit, but we weren't there. Can you imagine if Elon Musk was like we're going to the moon tomorrow and we're putting people there? That'd be the biggest event that ever happened. It'd be bigger than everything that's happened in the last year. It'd be huge. Before we did this episode, I asked my mom, I said, well, what was it like watching that on TV? Because she claims to have watched it on TV. She said it was crazy. It was insane. So I think us not being able to experience something like that and us just making dinky little space stations and shooting rockets up and not really doing anything substantial is a big hinder point for our generation and some of the generations that weren't alive for it. I want to say there's a lot of evidence and the biggest evidence is why aren't we there right now? I think that's that's the biggest thing. It's 2021. If we have such high-end spacecraft technology to get us to what we're doing, and then the sense that we also decommissioned the space shuttle. I know there was a lot of failures with that, but we kind of went backwards, in my opinion, of the way space travel is and getting humans into space. It's been a long time since we've been back to the moon, and I'm going to have to go with Frank on this one. I think that there's more evidence to say that we didn't go, and I'm not saying Stanley Kubrick did it. But there's more evidence that we didn't go in the 60s and the 70s. I will mirror what my co-hosts have said already. I'm definitely skeptical about what we have done regarding the moon. Whether we have gone there or not, I can't really make that assumption. But I will say it is very odd that we lost the technology to get there and there's no way to gain it back. To think that NASA personnel is saying that we lost something from the 60s and can't recreate it now in 2021. I think that's kind of asinine. And I think it's kind of a cop-out, realistically. If NASA wanted to shut conspiracy theorists up about this, all they would have to do is be honest and say, this is what happened. This is what went wrong. The fact that they won't clarify, the fact that they won't even justify it with an answer is kind of telling in itself. Buzz Aldrin and, and Neil Armstrong towards the end of their lives were, dur during their careers, they were very, very adamant that they had been to the moon, but 
especially Neil, towards the end of his life, he struggled mentally a little bit and started to say that we had never been to the moon. I've never been to the moon. What are you talking about? And whether that was just some, you know, some elderly mind just losing a little bit of itself towards the end is it remains to be seen. But there's a lot more questions to it. It's not all cut and dry. And I think mostly if it was faked, it was faked to outdo the Russians and it was faked to bring up the morale of the Americans and to bring up the United States. Even now in 2021, you know, you ask one of those good old boy Americans why this is the greatest thing. Well, we made it to the moon first. It's a a talking point of literally every nationalist of America. It's it's what Americans do is we flaunt all these amazing achievements that we've done. And that is like the pinnacle. That's the pinnacle. Uh, I'm not going to say whether or not we landed on the moon. Can't really figure that out. But it's uh, it's questionable. I'll leave it at that. I think that is going to do it for the moon landings episode. Hushlings. Tell us what you think. What do you what do you think? Do you think we went to the moon? Do you think Neil Armstrong took a small step for man and a giant leap into bullshit? <laughs> Let us know. Reach out to us. You can find us on our social medias, obviously, all the good ones. And you can head over to our website and hit up our contact form. Let us know what you think. Um, you can also drop us a line for any topics you want us to cover, any cryptids you think we should talk about, anything of the such, and especially guests. We are always looking for authors, former CIA agents, people with inside knowledge of the corruption and dark seedy points of this country and world. So reach out to us over there at hushhushsociety.com. One last thing, and we are going to stress it every show. Please mark it on your calendars. August 17th, 2021. One year as a show here at the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. If you have been with us all the way, Please continue to join us for our one-year anniversary. It is going to be an amazing time, a live show to remember. We will be giving away literally half our merch store, so just be there. If you want a t-shirt, if you want a, a, a face covering, if you want a coffee mug to spike your drink when you go into the office, we got you covered. Make sure to be there August 17th on our Facebook, and we're going to be live. We're going to be doing it live with the NWO, the Illuminati. And Hushlings, join us in two weeks for, I can't believe it, Debriefing 25, Princess Diana. And that's going to be Monday, June 14th. We're going across the pond. Hushlings, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you guys. We appreciate your time. And we would really appreciate some feedback as to how we can make our show better, possibly what we missed and what we reported wrong. One more time, thank you, Hushlings. Thank you all for joining us this week. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Moon Spiders, Moon Spiders, Moon Spiders, Moon Spiders. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight. <laughs>